0: So, do you have any questions?
1: Hello, sister. It's not really a question, but I'd like you to elaborate on your... We were just talking about anger being a poison, continuing from what you just said,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and how it corrodes the, the, the mind. Can you speak a bit more about anger and the three poisons? How it is it poison?
0: Okay, for I'm us and our
1: to... body mind system. Yeah. Yeah. How
0: is anger a poison? Well, for a long, long time, we don't know what anger is, you know, except we know when we're angry. <clears throat> anger is truly a poison. It's a great joy to find that, you know, because it does stop you, you know, to actually act on that. So anger is something we all have, greed, anger, and delusion, and many, many other feelings, you know, connected with anger. You know, some people just grow up from birth angry because they have lots of... Their reaction to life is anger. Other people, their reaction to life is greed. Other people, their reaction to life might be boredom or depression or something. But actually, we have a whole bag of mix, a mix of all these feelings. You know, we're neither just angry. We both have, we all have both of them. So um, at some point, anger, if you, you know, you don't get what you want, you are angry frustrated or whatever you know you have even a tiny reaction if you observe your mind and body you will see there's something it's very can be very subtle as it can be you know like a rage but it can be also very subtle aversion for example i i talked a lot about anger already what happened is that often we are angry but we don't know it We don't know it. And I began to see, my experience was when I was talking with somebody here in the monastery, where I found this person, I found really very, kind of fun and very nice, you know, person. But I noticed, every time I came to talk with this person, I would feel really angry. Well, not, actually, I didn't feel angry. I felt something that, a reactivity to this person, you know. It's like, I felt this person was maybe um overpowering, he was condescendant, uh, you know, all kind of qualities like that that came up with this perception about this person like this. And then I began to question myself, the you know, Vimsa. Okay. Um, uh, began to question why why do I feel with, why do I feel when I speak with this person? Mostly it was positive. Perception, neither good, not exciting or neutral or, you know, just positive, kind perception. And with this other person, it was always kind of negative, even though I had nothing. Do you know what I mean? I didn't have a problem with this person, but I noticed, I find this person slightly obnoxious, you know. And I said, why is that? Well, you know, what I noticed is that he, this person made me angry without doing anything you know anger would come up now whether it was the the anger of this person or my anger whatever it was there was anger coming up and I wasn't even aware of it you know I did not know what it was so sometimes you see somebody or you meet somebody and you can't think only of nasty things about them. (laughs) you turn this person quite quickly maybe into some a negative person or you know, critical, you're critical about this person blah, blah, blah. very often we don't know we're just angry, the anger comes up because for some reason this person has something unattractive for you whether man or woman, you know, something unattractive unappealing well if somebody is appealing and attractive he or she could be really obnoxious, you still feel quite good about them <laughs> simply because they are attractive and pleasant to look at or pleasant to hear or pleasant to talk to and so on So that's what I mean. Sometimes we don't see we are angry because it's hidden behind our desire for something attractive. So at some point you see anger, you know, you actually objectify anger, which is quite, for me, it was quite a wonderful stage where you see clearly anger. It's not just a feeling anymore. It's the whole world. You see it, you know. And the insight at some point comes, it's a waste of time, waste of energy, it's a poison. I guess it comes together with dispassion, do you know understand? A kind of dispassion. You feel totally dispassionate about the me that gets really angry and uptight and that's it, that you know. That whole persona just not so interesting anymore. And then you find different ways. For example, for me, I became much more confident in myself, you know, in communication. It's, it's like my emotions were not frightening so much anymore, you know. I was able to, because this anger can really hold, hold a lot of emotion inside us. It can we frightened to express ourselves emotionally. If we're embarrassed, we are ashamed, we have so many things, you know, that we emotionally you know, that we don't know how to deal with this emotion that we feel makes us feel bad or makes us feel embarrassed or whatever, you know. And then once you let, for me, once I let go of this level of anger, I felt so much freer, you know, because I could see the part of me that made became angry. It wasn't the other outside anymore. And, <clears throat> you know, I... I spent some time in the uh, on the on a little bamboo platform in the jungle in Thailand on the border of Burma, about twenty minutes walk from Burma. I had had invi- been invited to stay there for over a month, in fact two months, but I couldn't I for circumstances brought me back to Bangkok, not personally to get to look out, to take care of somebody and then I finally I just stayed just over nearly five weeks. But during that time, I was in heaven. Of course, I'd been really frightened before. Ajahn had invited me to go with the Sangha of monks there, and I was the only nun, and I said, well, what do you do if you meet a bear, Ajahn Asaru, and her, a tiger? He said, oh, don't worry, Ajahn Sander, it will just be like cheetahs, you know. I said, "We well, don't usually meet bears and cheetahs, you know. But when I arrived there, it was just a heaven, heavenly, heavenly place. It was a beautiful tree. One tree will be as wide as a carpet there, you know, a rainforest in Thailand. And uh, <clears throat> you know, and one day before I was leaving, I went, I saw a gingerassar, and I said, "Funny, you know." I felt so blissed out in that place, you know. But some sometime the anger will come up, and I had no no object of anger. And he, he kind of laughed, he said, I love Buddhism, you know, because as long as you have to do the work with anger, wherever you are, whether you have an object external or upai, anger will just come up, you know. Don't expect somebody to make you angry, anger will come up. So anger is a natural feeling that will arise for, with no perhaps known, known reason. And so... Um, yeah, so it was a great, great, great relief, you know, to realize. You feel confident, why? Because anger really sap your confidence, you know. You're frightened to be angry, especially with your practice. You know, you, you feel embarrassed to be an angry person. Not everybody, maybe, but it's like if you're a committed Buddhist, you know, it's like, well, hang on a second. Not supposed to be angry, you know. Its supposed to be meta, meta, you know, and the more you look meta outside, outside there, the more your demons of anger start really getting really upset because you're not paying attention to that demons of anger, me. Don't worry, it's nobody else than me, my demons of anger. So I find anger can really um, uh, make us lose confidence because we're so frightened of this feeling. You know, so once you stop being frightened of anger, it's a great liberation moment, you know you know, because you know something you know is not interested in using that as a it doesn't work, you know it's like it doesn't work anymore you know it's it's like like that, just like that, it's very practical, it's factual, you know it's like it doesn't work. I wish it were, but it doesn't work. Even if I wished it work, it doesn't work. And, and consciously sometimes we can be angry or something. You know, I used to be angry and you no know, kind of not intentionally, but it would just come up, like flare up, like heat, you know. But now I've seen it long enough to know exactly I know how to say no, but there's no suppression particularly. It's like, hi, sorry, you're redundant. You know, it's like you're dead. But, you know, I don't imagine it's dead all the time because depending on new situation, I don't know how I would respond. You know what I mean? I never imagined myself beyond this moment, you know, because I don't know. You know, I could be very angry with somebody, I don't know, in advance. you know. But right now, it's very clear. Any more question about that? It's a hard one to deal with, very hard one because our anger touches on so many aspects of our pers- of our personality you know we can be angry about the weather angry about the world angry about this angry so many things that are held together by anger you okay okay any more questions
3: yeah Do you have any advice about how to deal with anger? i I, I tell you why I'm asking this. I noticed that if I live in my anger, as anger is a good friend, it flows up at the least expected moment. What I notice by observing it is that it's very draining.
0: Observing things
3: observing the anger flaring up and then feeling it and the rest of it is quite draining so as you don't do anger anymore uh, my question is do you have any tips on how to deal with anger to to arrive at the stage where as you say you are redundant that would be nice
0: yes yes well uh, you know it's not a there's no mystery, you know. What makes you strong to enable those um, forces to course through you without acting or reacting to you, to, to in yourself? It's the um, it's the ability to be mindful. We always say, um, you know, to be able to practice dharma, you have to have a good container. A strong container. So our mind is like strengthening the container, including our bodies. You know, sometimes we are fragile. Sometimes we are weak in a way. We can't bear much. Sometimes we are, you know, frightened. So when you cultivate mindfulness, you cultivate uh a a force a powerful force to be present with what appears in the present moment do you understand you you are capable to be really strong and bear with things that are difficult so it's a whole program you know that's what meditation is about learning to be conscious and aware with things that are not so easy to bear with. And then the rest of the time is just the mind in its natural state, but sometimes we have forces, like powerful forces, powerful forces of greed, forces of hatred. And they're not easy, they're not fun. But, you you know, the the fact that you can bear them is because you have had a training, physically, mentally, emotionally, through meditation practice and you know and experience maybe at first you can't experience much you know but it's not like you get more and more angry you know <laughs> <laughs> just even seeing a little bit of anger and not touching it or not identifying with it or not you know uh, kind of holding on to it once you see those forces as anicca dukkha anatta they have much less power over you. You know, anicca means impermanent. Dukkha means unsatisfactory. And anatta, not yours. They don't belong to you. Once you see that clearly, over a period of years, they, they like, you know, a, very, a famous teacher in Thailand made a comparison of the object, the, the relationship of the object that courses our mind and body and their relationship to them. He said, his name is Ajahn Dasa. he's a very famous um, teacher who passed away now. But he said, at first, you know, things that cross your mind, it's like cutting through rocks, you know, it's heavy. They kind of cut through the mind like rocks, you know, like cutting through rock, heavy. Then as you become more wise to them, more mindful, then it's more like when it comes through the mind, it's more like cutting through sand. Right? Cutting through sand. And as you become more and more at ease with receiving all these forces and all these objects in a relaxed way, it's more like cutting through water. They leave no traces. You understand? So like your anger comes through it still comes through, but it does it's just like water they just come through and they go. Helps. yeah and it is unpleasant that's how, that's why the Buddha talks about four noble truths. Have you heard of those four noble truths? yeah well the first one is there is dukkha suffering there is a the cause of dukkha desire, there is the sort of the uh, end of dukkha, cessation of suffering, and there's a path that you cultivate to develop your mind uh, so that it can actually take the direction of liberation from dukkha through the rest of your life if you choose so. Yeah, And this path is made of three aspects sort of sila ethic samadhi meditation and uh, panya which means um, wisdom right so you can read this text everywhere you know books and so on if you But this is the path of meditation and the path of cultivation of the mind, the path of uh, really um, sort of training your actions and your speech in such a way that you manifest a virtuous mind. And virtuous mind is not necessarily virtuous itself. It's a training that even though you may feel angry and rude towards somebody, you don't act on it. You don't repress it. You just have the mindfulness to see it, the strength of your mindfulness to see it clearly, to see that it's uncomfortable, but it passes away much quicker than we think. So you have to bear with the suffering of dukkha. Yeah? If you want liberation, you have to work a little bit at it, you know. But it does work, that's the joy. One year later, you feel much more, oh, wow, it's easy now. Otherwise, as we get older, nothing gets a bit better, do they? Body, brain, mind, all that, so sort of they huh? It's good to start young. Don't don't wait until you don't have a brain anymore. <laughs> huh? You still think and you can talk and so on. It's true.
1: Thank you. Um I read a line in a book the other day that I thought was, you yeah, know, quite interesting.
0: No, no, I'm, I'm listening. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> and It said, it's a sticker on a car in America. And it says, I want to soar like an eagle, but I'm surrounded by turkeys. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought, really, that is the practice, isn't it? We're we're dealing with all the turkeys. We want to soar like eagles, but we're dealing with all the turkeys. Practice itself is the awakening, not the thing to go and get. It is the the awakening, isn't it? It's, It's the fruit. In a way, I think that's what you're pointing at, that it's there for us.
0: I'm not quite with you. I'm not quite sure what you're Well,
1: we you. often think with religion or Buddhist practice, as Ram Dass said, we can become the holy phony, you know? We think we've got to get this holiness.
0: When you say we, is it you?
1: Well, Ram Dass. Most people. I think most people do think that they've got to get something, or well, I would, at some point.
0: I, would ne- I, I do not assume anything of other people.
1: Or yourself. If you, I mean, if you're going to have um, effort or exertion, what are you exerting towards?
0: I see search, do you remember?
1: Search, yeah, and search, yeah.
0: Without aim.
1: Without aim.
0: Well, without knowing, exactly. You may not know what you're searching, but there's a yearning in yourself. For what? There's a yearning. Oh, mystery.
1: <laughs> That's, well,
0: that. But it's not just after practice. After you practice for a while, you stop searching because you found already the path. So you search until you find the path. Once you find the path, you know where to go.
1: Where did you find the
0: path? (laughs) One day at 10 (laughs) o'clock.
1: 1979. Sorry. It's just that, that. We often think there's somewhere to get well, or the mind can lean towards that. Well, but you're already it.
0: Yeah. Well, let me clarify this. Okay. Because in a way, um, once you've seen, you've know, you really got interested in finding out the truth. Maybe. Got the energy, you got the mind that still can do pay attention to this, and then a vimamsa is that you start. Um, Realizing cause and effect. Oh, when I do this, I get a good result. Right? I'm at peace with myself. When I don't do this, if I do the opposite, I'm very confused and regretful for a long, long time. So each one has enough wisdom to begin to sense what is working in our life and what is not working in our life. And so at at some point you are confident that what you're looking for, you may not be able to formalize it in a way that conceptually we can, but you, there's something in you intuitively and that can know the difference between what you were before and what you are now, feeling much more free and at peace with yourself. Not with anybody else, perhaps, and maybe you are free and at peace with everybody else as well. But there is definitely a sense that it is working. When you practice meditation, if you launch yourself into a meditation path, you begin to see it is working. That's what you are. you know. You, and of course, when you say it's working, then you get the teaching of we're not going anywhere, we're not becoming anybody. It's just here and now, listen inwardly, here and now, here and now. Not going anywhere, okay. But before that, most people are still searching, and then eventually they find a path through the search. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's no eagle and there's no turkeys. <laughs> there are no eagle. There is no eagle and there are no turkeys.
0: Oh, don't know. I like the idea of turkeys myself, <laughs> and eagles. I suppose I've been in, I lived in America, so you have not like a vulture, and they're so beautiful. They look gorgeous, and uh, they almost as good as an eagle, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, humor is always a bit tricky, because it's always playing on the differences sometimes, you know, like, you know, it's it's very subjective, you know, and I know the eagle is a symbol of, you know, sort of rising and freeing. Okay, any more questions?
2: Um, you mentioned earlier about um, your thoughts are not yours. Um, could you yes. could you talk about, um, I think it was uh, impermanence, um, unsatisfactoriness, and your thoughts are not yours or no self. Um, could you elaborate please?
0: Yes. How did I find my thoughts were not mine, on Houston Road? Not, okay, waiting for a bus. I'd been doing a retreat, actually, prior to this, for 10 days with Achen Medo, my first retreat ever in my life. And uh, I hadn't seen my thoughts were not mine yet. You know, I'd been watching my thoughts coming and going all the time. But... Uh, it's interesting. only when the thought attracted my attention, I was just waiting there, looking at cars coming and going, and suddenly, at that moment, you know, I actually heard my thought. You know, you can you can do meditation maybe for a long, long time, but you don't hear your thoughts. You know, see, so it's like anger. You think you're working with the anger, but the anger, you can't see it yet. You just see a glimpse of it, you know. Now for me, just to go back to anger, because it's important, when I heard my thoughts, yeah. So I was on the, kind of waiting for my bus on Houston Road, and I looking, you know, car coming and going, and suddenly I heard my mind having an in-depth commentary about the cars, their size, their shape, their design, and so on. Never been interested in cars myself. It was really weird. I say, who's talking in there? Hey, wait a minute. Just like that, and that one I should—they should have done better. Why did they do such a big color? It's really weird, you know. So smaller would have been better, anyway. But Citroen doesn't do very well. Like what? Who is in here? You know, fortunately I had enough mindfulness not to think I'm going mad, you know. But I was just listening to this bizarre visitor in me, you know. That was obviously a, a kind of like car engineer or designer or something. I don't know. So. And suddenly I said, God, you know, interesting. These thoughts are not mine. It's clear. It's not me who's thinking. Now, this is very personal and subjective. Do you know what I mean? Not everybody will feel it like that. But then with the teaching, you know, I began to see that Buddhist teaching teachings, these thoughts are not you, not yours, not me, not mine. Perception, not me, not mine. Sensory perception, not me, not mine. Object, not me, not mine. Mental construct is not me, not mine. Mental construct stories and, you know, thoughts, so on. And then, of course, you have sense consciousness, you know, the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, etc. Not me, not mine. So you train the the mind to see things in in a way that will help you to come unattached to your mind and body, and by unattached it means also cool, you cool out, you can see things better. Do you understand? If you attach, every time it moves, you go with it, you know, when you're attached to something, you know, somebody kind of butt an eyelid, "Oh, oh my God, what happened? Did I do something wrong? Or tell you something a bit unkind, you get completely destroyed because somebody else just had an inclined thought. It's not independent, you understand? We think this is love, you know. She hurt me, I hurt him, da, da, da. But for me, after years of practice, you know, love has nothing to do with that. Love has to do with leaving people free. Not my slave. Not my, you know, extension of what I want and what I hope in life. You leave people free, and you help them to be as free and peaceful and wise as possible, but it's very difficult. It's really hard enough. Once you know the joy of feeling that your mind is free, you know, I'm not talking about being an Arahant by the way, just it's freer, I would say. Okay, I could use the word freer. Then you rejoice in the fact that other people's mind can be freer too. A lot of human interaction has to do with codependence. You know, codependence is not a bad word, you know, it's just like somebody does this, you're affected, does this, you're affected, you're affected by everything, not in a good way. Because when you're not codependent, you still feel, you still perceive things, you still live, you still contact life, and so but you, are, you have the freedom of peace. So you can respond to life totally, totally sensitive and totally empathetic. But you don't kind of uh, lose your clarity and your peace of mind. That helps a lot more people. Maybe not everybody. Also, you, you don't lose the wisdom of your mind. The wisdom of the mind is like what we talked about today is Vimamsa, is that you know how to adapt. You know, if one person is like this and you respond like this, if one person is like that, you respond like that. You don't have like Buddhist teaching in your mind that say you should do it like way, that. Way, not this way. You just respond sensitively to each other after once the mind is more free. You know, sometimes people say they're going to lose their sensitivity, they're going to lose their feeling heart, you know, they're going to lose their sensible brain? Does that respond to your question or not?
2: Um, I think it'd be, it, it does, but if you could elaborate, say for instance, and, and you touched upon it, where people um, do cause harm and misery, um, how, how, how can you disassociate and sort of say, not me, not mine, when if an injury has happened and someone has been unkind or, or whatever, Hmm. How, I, how, I'm not quite sure how to make that connection so that you disassociate from it. How do you disassociate? Because what you were saying was um, the, the, the thought is not me, not mine. Yeah. But I'm just trying to understand the connection. If someone is, is being harmful, for instance, and if you respond to that harm, um, your instant reaction, well, my reaction, wouldn't be not me, not mine. Mine would be, I'm really devastated someone said that, for instance. So how, how do you apply... What you've just said in that in that instance, does that make sense? Because I'm just trying to get I'm trying to understand how to. Um, so if you've been injured, someone has said something that's unpleasant. It's difficult to go into that that space where you say, um, you know, the way you feel or the way you think about what's been said is not me, not mine.
0: No, you don't say that at that moment. Okay. No. Right. So. You get a probably a slap in your face. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm
0: not saying you say it out loud, but... <laughs> no, I would call it stupidity. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Okay, what do you suggest?
0: <laughs> you know, when you have a difficult interaction with somebody, for example, yeah. that's what you mean? Huh? Yeah. You know, sometimes just say, well, Emil, I, I need some time to, pros- to process all this. Mm-hmm. And you go away for a couple of hours. Have a walk in the field, the, in the woods somewhere... Well, you have to find means to look after yourself. You know, I haven't been in an unkind world for a long time because I live in a very kind world here. Unconscious, people are very conscious and training their mind, even if they feel unkind, they don't act on it, you know, they don't you know, they, they they can sometimes act on it and that's you know, people regret, but most of the time people are very, you know, responsible for their actions. Do you know, so I'm not in your situation. But the only thing I know that you can do is to take care of yourself. So you're mindful of the effect of the person talking to you. And you let your mindfulness really spread all around you until the person who is talking to you is beginning to feel the mirror effect of your mind interesting people start actually noticing what they are doing when you're very still and quiet it might take a while that might be the only way you can respond in that situation but then the next time they have more respect for you they have been more careful probably because you did not respond in the way that this person were hoping you would respond, to continue to have a good argument with you. That's one way. There's many ways to hell and heaven. But first of all, you have to deal with your anger, your own anger. Ask yourself, am I angry right now? Not, Not this very moment, but When you are in that situation, you know, touch base with the level of anger that you are experiencing yourself. And then you can be more careful what you're going to do with the situation. Because if anger is there, it's like a fire, you know, it's bound to make you do things that you will regret afterwards. Sometimes we have to make a few mistakes for quite a while before we get it, you know. And sometimes you just have to leave your job, you know, or whatever. Sometimes we just have to not leave the job, but just find a way of breathing in a spacious environment, you know. Take care of oneself, take care of one's emotional body. Because anger, you know, is not just a simple feeling. It's a feeling that's connected with a huge world we have from the past, you know. We pick up anger from from our parents, we pick up anger from our relatives and friends. You know, it's not just your anger necessarily. After four. Now, for me, just to go back to anger, because it's important, uh, kind of, it's a long story. But I the, the meta practice I did was not like me all being me well, me all being me happy and so on. It was um, I can bear it. A mantra like I can bear it, but it's not like a mantra that blinds me and just kind of you know going to uh, kind of uh, absorbing into this words. You know I'm you know I'm, this is this, this I can bear it. I can bear it until I fall asleep with it. But it's, it's every time I had an unpleasant situation, an unpleasant feeling in my body, or unpleasant reaction in my guts or emotions, you know, immediately I use the word I can not bear it. That was my meta practice for three months, nineteen ninety-two or three. And I remember by the end of three months, I had let go of a lot of anger. So the meta. Metta helped me to let go of a lot of anger. But the metta in a kind of wisdom path, not like may or be happy, more like I can bear it, you know. Or I could have said maybe this is not me, this is not mine, but I can bear it, I liked it, you know. Because dukkha is sometimes translated as that which is difficult to bear. So I can be with the suffering of this. It's like being open to the suffering. So please, um, if you don't have any more
2: questions, then I'll be happy to stop...